Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and calculate while we shape weird and wonderful science in the folds of your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this special edition, Professor Chris Tisdell talks about updating how we teach geometry after 2400 years. The Teachers Guild of New South Wales will be holding their annual Frontiers of Science Forum talks on the 25th of March at the Concord Golf Club. The talks will be available later in the year on YouTube. Remember compasses, set squares and protractors? A pair of compasses are a metal device with a pencil holding arm hinged to a pointy arm that's meant to embed in a wooden table to stabilise the device while you draw a circle or part of a circle with the pencil. Chris Tisdell is a professor of mathematics at the University of New South Wales. For 20 years, his passion has been innovating and improving the teaching of mathematics. Most recently, he's published a paper on replacing the compasses from the teaching of geometry at school completely. I spoke with him by Zoom and began by asking the very pointed question, what is geometry and why is it important? Geometry is concerned with the properties of space that are related with distance, shape, size and relative position of figures. Everybody, I think, will have memories of geometry at school. It's important because it helps us think, it helps us form patterns, and it helps us relate mathematical objects and ideas with each other. It's interesting to point out that geometry has a very, very applied beginning back in ancient Egypt, where they were marking out and surveying different lands and, and carving up sections of land that way. So although I think some people see geometry as very pure and almost untouchable, its roots are very, very applied. It's one of the oldest applications of mathematics, isn't it? It is. Along with arithmetic, it's ancient. So we're talking thousands and thousands of years old. It's not just the elite theory that's untouchable, and it's not just useful for real estate and, and land allocation. It's everywhere. Yes, it's everywhere. See it on the street. Shapes are everywhere. Connections between shapes are everywhere. Right angle triangles, uh, circles. Um, you look up at the sun see a circle. So we see it in our world all around us. And what geometry helps us to do is to understand those relationships and those connections between distance, space, shapes. It's an amazing area. And yet a lot of people don't have a happy memory of their school maths lessons. Yes, that's right, Ian, unfortunately. I think some people will think back to geometry at school, maybe in early high school or, or middle school even. And they'll cringe when you, when you talk about geometry. You know, I hated geometry or I hated maths. This is a common thing that I hear. So while geometry is familiar, there may not be that great connection, that great passion or in memories that, that people have with it. How can we improve that? Because I think my experience, as I remember, is that even with arithmetic, a lot of it was rote learning of a particular way of doing things, an algorithm, without really understanding much of what it all meant. Yes, and I think that's a common memory, Ian. 
you know, just do it, uh, don't think about it, learn this or memorize this. For me, th this is not really what, what good or effective learning is about. And there's lots of things that, that we can do. One strategy is to really get hands-on, get hands-on with geometry or even learning maths in a more general way. And when students and learners are really making that connection, that physical connection to moving things around, drawing, redrawing, resizing, shape, you know, showing the connections between different drawings that they've created, that gives a, a very good chance of not only improved learning, but being a bit more invested in, in the learning process. I think that, that that's really important. Many people, they're a little bit reluctant to learn things if they, if they can't see a purpose and they can't get involved in, in some sort of meaningful way. So I think getting hands-on can, can change this. I think that is a really big factor that we've got to get past when am I ever going to use this to why this is really interesting and what it means. Yeah, I agree. And certainly in some parts of geometry, the tools are probably not the best tools. So if I hold up one of these compasses, everybody will remember probably fiddling around with a compass and a ruler or a straight edge. And these were the two tools that you learn geometry with. So we've been doing that for thousands of years. And yet still, as you pointed out, there are real problems in the learning of teaching of geometry. So something's got to change. And these tools, especially the compass, it's almost like because we've been using them for so long, over 2000 years, it's just part of what we do at school. You know, it's, it's just that we've always done it this way. This is the, the tool that we use and, and that's it. Now, of course, there are opportunities to bring in sort of digital, virtual geometry lessons as well. And there's a lot in that. However, not all schools have access to computing. Not all students have access to computing. There's still a, a big cost associated with that. So what I'm trying to do in, in my work is to get us to rethink some of those tools and have a look at those, those geometry tools that we have really been using for 2,000 plus years. That's a really long time to get stuck in one way of thinking, isn't it? It is, Anne, yes. I was reading in your paper on this that it goes all the way back to Plato and his academy that these were holy instruments that were sacred and you shouldn't do anything else. Plato gets the blame or the credit, however you want to look at it, for these two tools, the compass that everybody's familiar with and the, and the straight edge, which is like a ruler, but there's no markings on it. Of course, at that time, geometry was really going through an amazing transformation into a mathematical art and science. And Plato, he, he had a really amazing view on geometry. For him, geometry was spiritual. And when you undertake geometry, it was like you were getting closer to God. And for, for that, he essentially proclaimed or is said to have proclaimed that these, these two tools, the straight edge and the compass, that is it. They are your tools. They are the limitations. And that has been continued ever since 2000 plus years later. That is amazing. I mean, we've had a modern education system that's not necessarily religiously oriented anymore, especially for maths and science. 
and yet we're still following this old prescript of religion before Judaism or Christianity from so long ago. Yes, and, and it, it's interesting that you make that connection there, Ian. Even other mathematicians like Pythagoras and the Pythagoreans, they saw the world as, essentially as numbers and, and numbers that were part of their religion. So, yes, it is amazing. And I do think part of this, this tradition is connected with the, the, the human idea to, to sort of continue walking down the, the path that we've travelled down many, many times. And so you, it's kind of a tradition, but the, the risk there is that you get stuck in your ways of thinking and you can't think of any other way out of that, that well-worn path. So, yeah, it, it's certainly a time-honoured tradition. And, and in the process, it's gained this, this sheen of worth in our education system. Well, I guess it's been considered part of the classics is part of the problem there. And I guess a lot of teachers would also have stories of the dangers of sharp, pointy compasses. Yes, there are several problems with compasses. I think anybody who's used one will admit that they're not always the easiest tool to use. And there are other problems as well around safety and, and accuracy and things like this. But just think for a second about what it is to operate a, a compass. You've got two legs and a little pointy thing that you that you hold on to, right? And you stick one leg, I'm ho again holding up the compass for Ian here. You stick the sharp end in the page and you twist it or, or rotate it. And essentially you're rolling your fingers there. You're rolling the top of the compass between your thumb and your forefinger. Now, give a child a compass, I almost guarantee you they will not be able to do that because they don't have the fine motor skills. I see children holding one leg and the other leg and trying to rotate it like that. So it, it's hard to use. And if you don't have those fine motor skills, that's a problem. Secondly, the circles that uh, students produce are not always accurate. So you'll draw around and the circle won't quite close up. In fact, I've, I've heard stories with some of the teachers that I've spoken with they tell me stories that they spend an entire lesson just trying to draw one circle. Oh. Yes, yes. And as you mentioned, Ian, before, there, there are safety issues with compasses. These compasses come with a needle point, usually. And I know it's a bit extreme, but there have been reports of bullying and even uh, alleged murders with compasses as a weapon. So another significant problem is that the traditional compass can be weaponized. So you've been working on a better alternative. Yes, yes. We think it's high time to rethink the role of the compass in our schools and within the geometry lessons. And so what we've tried to do is to address some of these problems, the effectiveness, the efficiency and the safety issue, basically. And to do that, we've come up with a new, what we call a geometry template now, I think listeners will probably be familiar with templates. It's a piece of plastic with holes cut in it, and you trace around the inside or the outside of something to make a shape or a letter or a figure or something like this. And engineers, designers, architects, drafts people, they've been using this for, for a long time, and they know the potential value in this. And so what we've tried to do, we've kept the, the straight edge part of the, the platonic tools because we don't think there's anything uh, terribly wrong with that. 
but we have designed a new circle arc to enable students to draw extended circle arcs using this template. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And I guess that's one of those things people have to try and remember back from their lessons is you're not just trying to draw a whole circle. So you're not just going to have a circle in your template that you trace around or trace inside. You need to draw segments of circles as well. Correct. And in fact, that's got a lot to do with the way that geometry is is learnt and taught. Yes, it's important to draw uh, circles and whatnot, but what's actually really important is where the circle or the the arcs of the circle cross to get those points to do something with. You know, maybe you're constructing um, an equilateral triangle or something. Well, you need some points, and those usually come from the intersections of lines and arcs. And using our circle arc template, you can draw all of those. I'm guessing you've, you've experimented with these in the classroom. How are they received? Yes. yes, we have experimented in the classroom. The first thing that we've noticed, we've spoken to teachers and to students. And the first thing that we've observed is that students are already familiar with using a template. Young learners use templates to trace letters or other shapes. So they're they're actually familiar with the idea of a template. They're also familiar with using a ruler. And so the actual, I guess, kinematics are very similar in using a template and using a ruler. So there's this familiarity there. The second question or observation that that we've seen is people are a bit curious, right? They're, They're like, well, can it really replace the compass? It doesn't move, right? Once you've got a fixed circle here, you can't move it like you can with the compass. Well, from a geometric learning and teaching perspective of geometry, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's nice to open and close your compass, but from a theoretical and a practical perspective, you can do all the constructions, get all the shapes you want just with a single opening. So you don't have to adjust it. That's another thing that we're seeing. Because we've been doing the same thing for thousands of years, people are naturally sceptical. And that's good. I, I would encourage that, right? That, that, that's what good science and good education is all about. So we thought about the practicalities and the theory, and they both support what we're doing. It must be such a difference, because as you say, even young children are familiar with tracing templates and using a ruler, and it's just easier than trying to twiddle a pair of compasses and try to get a circle. And it's so frustrating when it doesn't work, when the the compass moves just a little bit and your circle doesn't close up and you get holes in your paper, you might get holes in the desk, you're at risk of hurting yourself. To have something that just works and is using motor skills you already have and is appropriate for your age, it's got to be a lot more encouraging for students, a better experience. Yes, I agree. And What we're trying to do with the tool is to bring something that's familiar to the students and the teachers, a template, with something new. They're going to be learning geometry with the template. And you're right about adjusting and readjusting the compass. It can be quite cumbersome and time-consuming because you'll adjust it one way, like you'll open it a bit, 
And then you want to close it to the size or the opening that you had it five minutes ago. And you can't quite get it there. You can't quite get it there. And in fact, what some of the ancient geometers used to do, they would have 10 or 20 compasses at fixed openings and just have, have them laid out and not, not touch them, not open them or, or close them. Again, that, that's nice to have, but one opening, one opening will do it. And now, of course, listeners out there may be saying, well, Chris, what happens if you had to draw a circle or an arc of a particular radius, five centimetres, and your circle arc is four centimetres? Of course, that's impossible. So the traditional compass still has a role, but this new tool greatly diminishes that role and opens up the educational experience in in new and different directions. Couldn't you also have a series of circles of different sizes in the template and that would cover you for most things? Absolutely. I'm holding up up a, a prototype right now for Ian. It's got about six different settings. And one of the interesting things with the design of this new tool is that the arc templates, the circle arc templates, and the straight edge are together in the one tool. So in the traditional learning and teaching of geometry, students would pick up their straight edge, draw something, put the straight edge down, pick up their compass, put it onto the paper, turn it, put it back down, pick up the straight edge, and continue. When you have them together... It makes a big difference. It's already on the page. And like you said before, Ian, there's no risk of weaponizing or there's a very low risk of weaponizing. This is just polycarbonate, bendable plastic. And there's no holes in the paper. This will not make a hole in the paper, at least our tool won't. I think I remember that the ancient Babylonians had a series of triangles that they used of preset sizes that they used when they were doing their mapping. So there's a little bit of an ancient precedent for using this sort of template. Ian, I didn't know that. I'm looking that up right now. So (laughs) let me have a look. That was from last year's talk. (laughs) Oh, this is great. Well, one of my colleagues, Daniel Mansfield, he did some amazing things with Babylonian... um, That's who I spoke to uh, last year. Oh, he's an amazing guy. And he's the one that told um, me. Oh, right. Well, maybe I should talk with Daniel then. He, he, he's an amazing guy and he's really opened up the understanding of how far back things like uh, the Pythagorean theorem goes. It tends it goes all the way back to the ancient Babylonians, which is, you know, a long time before uh, anybody knew that. So, all right. So that, that, that's my task for the rest of the day, Babylonian triangles. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Very welcome. It just seemed to me that there's a use of a template in ancient times. I mean, it's triangles instead of circles, but it's a similar idea, similar tool. The mathematics I did when I did physics didn't involve compasses. But I imagine if you go on to a mathematics degree and you do geometry, you'll still be needing to use those sort of tools. Yes, the main place that we see these tools used, in, at least in Australia is about year seven to year 10. If you go on and do sort of more advanced mathematics, even at university, it becomes a bit more theoretical. And you're sort of, you're asking questions like, well, what shapes and even numbers are are possible to construct using geometry, rather than actually drawing the tools. But one thing that that I, I want to experiment with, with this new tool, is to see how far and how many of these complex, complicated geometrical constructions you can do 
with the template. I mean, famous mathematicians like David Hilbert, for example, one of his positions was that, well, it's not about getting an accurate drawing. It's more about showing that it's possible to do this construction or this triangle or get this intersection or whatever. I would disagree with that. I think an accurate tool helps students learn and visualise. And maybe the tools that David Hilbert was using suffered from all those problems that learners and teachers and people have known about for thousands of years. So I'm hoping to change that way of thinking as well. Accuracy, accurate drawings matter because they can help our students learn. And what started you on the path to look at this problem? Well, I'm a dad and I have two children. One is eight and the other one is 10. And this this is made last year sometime. I gave my son the compass test. I said, here, Louis, this is called a compass. What do you think you do with this? I didn't tell him what to do. And there he was straight away with one hand on each leg, trying to (laughs) drive it around. (laughs) And and then I sort of said, well, have you thought about, you know, putting this needle in and, and, and rotating it? He could not do it. And I remember when I was a student back in high school, I was not a fan of the compass. It brings back bad memories for me. My fine motor skills were not great. And I'm thinking this is not a problem, not just for me and my son, it's probably a much wider problem. And so I got started talking with with teachers and the scale of the problem has been around for a very, very long time. And so I thought that when I saw some of these templates with circles and and triangles and ellipses and things like this, I thought, is there a connection between using these simple templates and learning and teaching geometry? And it turns out that there is, and no one had, at least to my knowledge, nobody had done it before. So I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a year developing these ideas, designing this tool and talking with people. And this is the result. What's the most surprising thing that's come out of the work? I've been quite petrified, actually, that I've missed something. I've missed something mathematical or something educational that's very important. You know, these things sort of keep me awake at night. So that was my first concern. I'm like, I must be missing something in the design or the application of this tool. I think lots of people have been very supportive. That's been not surprising, but, but quite nice. And when you point out the problems with compasses, one of the surprising things is that we actually continue to use them because people know that they're unsafe. People know that they produce terrible drawings. People know they're hard to use, but they still do it. Why? Maybe they don't have an alternative. Now, of course, that digital education, that digital geometry system is great. But like I said before, not everybody can afford those things. So so access is an issue. I also feel like I've learned a lot more geometry, been sort of revisiting my own high school knowledge and brushing up, which has been great. The template, it's going to be out in stores, in Officeworks later this year. So this is through a company called Mathemat, and they've agreed to produce it and listeners can find it in in Officeworks and, and online later this year. Do you have to work with the Department of Education to get it accepted into the curriculum? Because... In a lot of states, they're very particular about sticking to the curriculum that they've already designed. Yeah, you're right. I think in Australia, it's no secret that education is tightly controlled. These templates have been around for about 50 years, although not with this circle geometry shape that I've been working on. So they're somewhat familiar. 
and you're just adding one extra piece in into the, the the puzzle many of the teachers that i speak with see benefits in using a tool like this because if you can enable the student to draw more easily and more effectively then it takes the pressure off the student to draw rotate the compass do whatever they can just look at the relationship between the different figures and the different lengths or or whatever they're looking at in geometry so i think the support is there at the grassroots level but definitely it's something that we're conscious of and you know, we want to make sure that we're supporting our students and aligning with what's going on in the various curricula across australia certainly the learning and teaching of geometry look up the australian curricula for example they mentioned straight edges and compass so that's something that i think is is really important to to consider and i think our tool gives some value there now the, of course the compass is still important we're not going to just throw it away but the role and the challenges are certainly diminished with this new tool we think well chris thank you very much thanks ian thanks for having me that was professor chris tisdell from the University of New South Wales, talking about changing the way we teach geometry after 2,400 years to draw circles and arcs without using pointy compasses, despite Plato's ghost. His paper is titled Beyond the Compass, Exploring Geometric Constructions via a Circle Arc Template and a Straight Edge. Professor Tisdell will be speaking at the Frontiers of Science Forum on March 25th at Concord Golf Club in Sydney. I'll put links to the template, video and event in the show notes. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos, and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labeled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf, or join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolf. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. 
When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.